Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Royal Strong and True Podcast. Man, this is going to be a wacky one because um, it's just going to be me today. Unfortunately, Jared was unavailable. He's got some crazy stuff going on. He's crazy busy. So it's just going to be me and a special guest that you might recognize later. So stay tuned for that. We're going to be talking West Virginia, uh, absolutely slobber knockering BYU. We're going to be talking about Iowa State and what we need to do to win that football game. There's a lot of other BYU sports running right now concurrently and Cougs and the pros. There's lots of stuff to talk about. Before we get into the episode, make sure you're following us on Instagram and Twitter at Loyal to Royal Pod, where you'll find lots of fun and interactive content. Make sure that you are leaving reviews on the episodes, downloading them, sharing them with your friends. We love this community. We want to see it grow. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. Let's boo. Go Tigers. But that field judge on the far side is in their pocket, man. Go over your death, right? Let's back this booler. No! Let's go wild, let's man. Go, baby. Let's go. I have to the <laughs> We're at a waterfall, dude. All right, like I said, just me today, so we're going to try to keep it up. We're going to try to keep the energy going. Um, it's good. It should be a lot of fun. Um, hopefully, I don't bore you guys to death with my uh, stupid voice talking the entire time. Let's start out with some housekeeping. I got to clean the house by myself, which is never a lot of fun, but I got to do it. Um, let's talk about some BYU sports that are happening right now. BYU women's volleyball. Uh, it's been kind of an eventful couple weeks since we've last talked. They lost to Kansas State in two straight games and then beat Cincinnati, swept them in two straight matches as well. They remain at number 12 in the nation heading into the final stretch of their season. So, I mean, they're not top 10 yet, not top 10 again, but, I mean, top 12 in the nation is nothing to sneeze at. Our BYU women's team is killing it. <laughs> pun intended, uh, volleyball pun, killing it. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe my jokes aren't as funny as I thought. Anyway, BYU women's basketball started today, which is crazy that basketball season has already started. We're going to talk about men's basketball a little bit later with our special guest speaker. BYU women's basketball opened up play today at Montana State playing the Bobcats. Now, Montana State, for whatever reason, that's their stadium for girls basketball. It is awesome. If you build it, they will come. It was basically a sellout. Like, watching it, there was not a single empty seat. Um, as I'm watching the game at work, and while I'm there, my coworker comes up to me and he goes, oh, is that Montana State girls? I said, yeah. My, and he says, my sister is the assistant coach of the basketball team, which was crazy, that, you know, small world. Um, but it got me even more involved in watching this game. BYU trailed the entire game, but a 13-0 run in the fourth quarter led to a BYU victory 68-60 to on the road versus one of the best teams in the big sky. So a uh, good way to open it up for Amber Whiting and her team. Her daughter absolutely killed it with the leading score for the Lady Cougs. Um, yeah, that, that concludes housekeeping. I've kind of had some high energy here at the beginning, but, uh, energy might die off a little bit as we talk about what BYU football did last Saturday. Um, if, if you're not aware of what happened, keep it that way. Um, erase it from your memory or never let it in. 
But um, West Virginia absolutely pounded, pounded BYU 37-7 to on Saturday in just an absolute emasculating humiliation. It was disgusting. It, it, it was terrible. Um, so I don't have Jared to keep me positive. Uh, so I might just go down a rabbit hole on this one. Um, these are my thoughts on the game. And you might agree with them. You might disagree with them. But I want to know what you think. Make sure you DM us on Instagram or Twitter at LoyalToRoyalPod. Tell us what you thought about the game. And we will feature your responses on our page or in the next podcast episode. First of all, I know Kalani is a good guy. And I know Kalani is friendly. And I know Kalani is all about loving and learning. But the fact that Funk was on the plane ride home is an absolute abomination. The offensive line was terrible. Gosh awful. They, they were bad. Bad, bad, bad. Missing blocks, whiffing. We couldn't do anything. Retzloff was running for his life. Like Our running backs couldn't run for their lives. They were getting hit in the backfield. It was terrible. Something needs to change for our offensive line. I, I could not watch this game. I... I watched the first half, and then after that, I had I just had to have it on in the background, like on my phone while I did other stuff. Obviously, I went back and watched it all because I'm a sicko, and I am apparently a uh, what do you say? masochist, whatever. I, I like pain because I watch BYU football. Um, something that caused me a lot of pain and that just like broke my heart, man, is somebody in the post game media for West Virginia was you know they're talking quipped that BYU would become the new Kansas of the Big 12 because of how they bullied us. Are you kidding me? Like, Kalani, come on. That, that is not who we are. That is not who we want to be. We did not come to the Big 12 to be a doormat. We did not come to be a nail. We came to be the hammer. And the fact that we're being equated to how Kansas has been run, you know, three years ago for like the 10 years before that is – Dude, something needs to change. Something needs to change. I, that's that's sad. Um, refs, come on, man. Give us a kick return touchdown, please. Like, we haven't had a kickoff return touchdown in who knows how long. I don't even know. And we had one, but it got called back on a BS holding call. Like, just let it happen, man. Like, we're down by so much. Let us have something. Let, let us have something to look at. To, to smile upon. Let us, oh, dude, let us have something. Um, you know who did let us have something was West Virginia. They um, they had their way with us on the ground. They ran the ball forty eight times for seven yards a carry. Defensive line, linebackers, have you no self respect? Like I, I get it. Our defensive line isn't great, and that isn't Jay Hill's fault. Um, Ben Bywater's hurt. That isn't Jay Hill's fault. But man, we, we, if you're going to do that, at least stop the pass. Even pass, they had two touchdowns. They had two touchdowns through the air and averaged 8.5 yards per, per attempt. I should, uh, I'm, I just, I, I don't know. I don't like talking about it. Uh, so let's, let's shift and let's talk about good things. Um, shout out Preston Rex. Um, Preston Rex had to come in and start at safety, or I don't know if he started, but he had to play some snaps at safety because of some injuries that we have there. Kid's a freshman, man. 
and he might have been the best tackler on the team. He saved multiple touchdowns by flying in and tackling their running backs in open space. That That's awesome. Super good for a freshman. Preston Rex, that, that was awesome. Kudos to you. Shout out to you. Let's talk Jake Retzloff. Now, Jake Retzloff did not throw for a single touchdown, nor did he throw for a single interception. He was whipping the ball around at weird arm angles. He was running. He was mobile, a lot more mobile than Keaton Slovis. Do we think that he is the future? Do we think that he's better than Keaton Slovis? Let, let me tell you what I think. I think that he is a better fit for Aaron Roderick's system than Keaton Slovis is. Aaron Roderick's system is built for a quarterback that can move the ball with his legs. Keaton can't do that, but Retzloff can. So I think Retzloff will have more success at BYU than Keaton ever did this year. I think Keaton's a little more mechanically sound, but I mean, Retzloff showed some good flashes, man. He was hitting guys in stride. He was reading defenses. He was going across his body and completing good passes. Like, Retzloff was playing good, man. Jake Retzloff, I think, is the future. I think he will be starting for us next year. Um, I don't know if he'll be starting the remainder of the season. I think he maybe should at this point. But our team is loyal to Keaton Slovis. We brought him in, and I, I don't think that that's going to change. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know about that, what's going on there. But um, I was really impressed by Retzloff. I think that he should – that he's going to progress, that he's going to grow. He's only going to get better, and we did maintain his redshirt. So um, he's got two more years of eligibility. I, I think he could lead us to uh, some the promised land, the Big 12. Why not? Forget. Forget. Yeah, we'll, we'll win the Big 12 championship next year. Why not? Um, I'm going to end on a positive note there. Uh, no, I'm not. Uh, that game sucked. That game sucked, and I'm sorry we had to watch it. Now BYU sits at five and four with three games left in the season we need to win one for bowl eligibility we get iowa state at home oklahoma at home and then we travel to stillwater to play oklahoma state our best chance for bowl eligibility is this saturday versus iowa state it is a night game the vampire Cougs will be out we all know that byu plays better at night statistically it's just facts facts hard num hard numbers there is there's nothing that can be argued. BYU plays better at night. And we get Iowa State at night, at home, 8.15 p.m., BYU's favorite slot. Iowa State is also 5-4. and four. I think that if we I, – I honestly think they're our only chance to win a bowl game or to go to a bowl game. Oklahoma State's playing really well right now. I don't think we're going to win in Stillwater. And Oklahoma took some dumb losses already. I don't think they're going to take another dumb loss to BYU. That's just not how teams that are that good operate. So we have to beat Iowa State. I think BYU fans are desperate for it. And, you know, it's going to be dark, which is good. It's going to be dark inside the stadium. It's going to be dark on the field because BYU is wearing their blackout uniforms, some new blackout ones that look kind of slick. And the Cougar Tails will be chocolate. So the Cougar Tails will also be dark. Who will we see at quarterback for the Cougs? We're not 100% sure. Uh, Keaton Slovis is hurt. Um, we don't know the status of his injury. If he is not good to go, then we will see Retzloff. If he is good to go, there might be a little bit of a quarterback controversy. Iowa State, they're weird, man. 
one of the weirdest teams in college football history. Early in the year, they lost to Ohio. Not Ohio State. Ohio University, the Bobcats, only scored one touchdown. They let Iowa drop 20 points on them. Like, 20 points might not sound like a lot. But for Iowa, that's a lot, man. But then they followed that up by eating by beating Oklahoma State and TCU. They've also beat Cincinnati and Baylor. Now, Cincinnati and Baylor aren't great teams this year. But still, they've beaten them. They've got four conference wins. They've only won five games. Like th- that, That's pretty crazy to me. Iowa State offensively is a balanced team. They are good. They are disciplined. They don't commit a lot of penalties. They run slightly more than they pass, but that's because their passing game isn't great. Their quarterback struggles protecting the ball. His name is Rocco Becht. Um, awesome. Awesome name, Rocco Becht. Complete 62% of his passes, which isn't bad, but he only has seven touchdowns on the year alongside seven interceptions. So he throws as many interceptions as he, as he does touchdowns. That's almost an interception a game versus BYU, who is one of the top turnover-forcing teams in the nation. I think he will struggle a little bit. Um, fun fact about Becht, last week versus, T, uh, versus Kansas in a game that they lost, he had eight carries for negative five yards and a touchdown. How do you do that? Uh, 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 how? How do you do that? Don't know. Uh, they have a two-headed rushing attack, Iowa State does. Eli Sanders is their number one ball carrier. He averages 4.7 yards, but we're not interested in him. One person I want you to look out for is a guy who has an awesome name, averages 3.8 yards per carry, Cartavius Norton. Cartavius. Awesome name. His parents, kudos to you. Now, when it comes to the defensive side of the ball, Iowa State has been good. They only allow 21 points per game. They've only allowed 17 in their last four per game. That is crazy good. That is very, very good. They're good at forcing turnovers. They have 13 interceptions on the year, which is almost an interception and a half per game. Now, they're slightly behind BYU in that respect, but in total turnovers forced. But Iowa State does play good defense. And that's something that you got to watch out for. Um, I think you guys have listened to me ramble on enough. Um, we're we're, we're going to get into talking with our guest speaker here pretty soon. But before we do that, I do need to include one more thing. Um, I have to take accountability because my upset pick did not hit last week. It was absolutely awful. Uh, Jared's did not hit either. I had UTSA at UNT as a seven and a half point home dog. They lost badly. Jared had TCU plus three at tech that lost badly. That brings his record to five and five on the year and my record to six and four. I've got 16 total points. Remember three points for an uh, outright victory. One point for covering the spread. Jared has nine. Now, who are we going for this week? Jared is a little bit of a sicko. He's going with Arizona State, who just got pummeled by Utah as a 17-point road dog to UCLA. Um, that's, that's a bold choice. Don't know exactly why he's doing that, but um, good, good for him, I suppose. Um, when it comes to my upset pick, 
I'm going to go with a team that has been playing uh, rather well recently versus a team that I think is unraveling. I'm going to take Indiana, who is a six and a half point road dog to Illinois. Now, Illinois is good, but they've kind of been struggling lately. I think they're unraveling. So give me Indiana minus, or sorry, Indiana plus six and a half versus uh, Illinois on the road. So, yeah, that's our upset picks for this week. With that, I think that we will transition. You guys are bored listening to my monotone voice for whatever, 20 minutes straight or whatever it's been. I think it's time to listen to somebody new. Let's welcome in our guest. Let's have some fun. Now, at this time, this is a very special time in Royal Strong and True history. I know I've been kind of lonely to start the episode, but I made a call, and we are going to welcome a very special guest to this episode. Welcome, Daniel Bradford. Hello again, old friends. It's good to be with you, you especially, Justin. Thank you. Thank Um, you. Yeah, I'm smiling right now. It's 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 good to be back talking sports with you. Now our longtime listeners, they already know, but in case you're new to the episode new to the show, Dan was a co-host with us, one of the founders of the Royal Strong and True podcast, mm. formerly known as Les Talk. Oh um, baby. Which was which was great until people started confusing us for a show about lesbians. Um Yeah. So we had to change the name, but here we are, uh, Royal Strong and True to the Royal Blue. Um, Dan, where you been, man? Give, give us a life update. Uh, yeah, life update. Um, graduated. Me and the missus moved back east to Long Island, New York. New York. Um, exactly. Uh, my wife, Abby, is doing a PhD program at Stony Brook. Ooh. And I'm doing a gap year working at a... Uh, medical research lab so yeah we're just kind of doing our thing out here uh, we're starting to get a little more used to it although daylight savings just happened and it gets dark before i'm home from work now which is a little <laughs> pressing yeah no that definitely sucks i'm in the same boat yeah it's it's not the happiest time of year but you know overall we're we're enjoying it out here you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that seasonal depression aligns with the second half of BYU football season. Mm, um, that's a good point. Don't think that's a coincidence, um, given how depressed I was earlier in the episode. But uh, <laughs> yeah, don't blame uh, me. Dan, tell tell us about uh, college sports out east. You know, we we've talked about college sports in the SEC country. We've talked about college sports in California, here in Utah. How is college sports in New York? Yeah, I think what I'm figuring out uh, for the Northeast in general, New York up through Connecticut, Massachusetts, up even into Maine, they don't really do college sports like they do in other places. Boo. And I guess the Ivy League is a good example. The Ivy League, some of the oldest, most historic programs i think the first football game was like a harvard princeton game or something princeton and yale 
maybe Yale. Oh no, sorry, yeah. it, was, it was it was Princeton Rutgers. Duh. Oh yeah, Rutgers. Rutgers yeah, the, the birthplace of college football. You know. <laughs> yeah. So I guess what I'm saying is they have college football teams. They just don't really care to be good college football teams. <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting. They care a lot more about their pro football here with the Jets and the Giants. Um, and then I, um, yeah, they it's basketball. I'd say basketball is the most popular sport. Hockey, way more popular here than Utah. Good, good. Hockey's Especially good. the New York Islanders, which is pretty close to where we live. And they were really good last year, so. I didn't know that. <laughs> good to know. Um, but yeah, one thing about the Jets, I guess we could talk about that. Zach Wilson. Oh, my goodness. Famously on the Jets. Famously the subject of Troy Aikman's deepest insecurities. Oh man, Troy Aikman has <laughs> some some problems. See Johnny Linehan's Twitter post of oh, Troy yeah. Aikman. Sh- show us where on the doll Zach Wilson hurts you because <laughs> Troy Aikman's got a vendetta against the kid. I don't know why. That was good. I saw one theory that was saying like he always lost to Steve Young, and so <laughs> from then on he had like some deep personal issues with BYU quarterbacks. But yeah, I guess one thing I'm surprised by is I'm not seeing as much Zach Wilson hate as I thought I would. Okay. Like, I feel like the national media, they really pile it on just because, you know, the Jets have a lot of problems. He's the quarterback, so they blame him. But I've seen a lot of like actual Jets fans um, as far as like, you know, Twitter profiles or Jets podcasts. They don't blame everything on Zach Wilson, which was a pleasant surprise. Hey. You know, it's a very low bar, but (laughs) it exceeds that low bar. So I'm happy about that. Yeah, I've seen a lot of that on Twitter too, especially from this one account that keeps popping up on my For You is uh, Sauced A-Rod. Yeah, I think I've seen that one. Yeah. They're like actually supportive of Zach Wilson somehow. They're like Uh saying, hey, you know, this kid – is maybe isn't like the greatest but you know there's a lot more glaring problems with our offense than just zach wilson i mean you you think of like all the dropped balls right he didn't throw a touchdown pass last game but i mean he hit cj uzoma like literally in the numbers in the end zone and he uzoma is like falling down it bounces off his chest it bounces off both hands he tries to knee it to himself Mm -hmm. um, gets a foot in there too and still doesn't catch the football Zach Wilson just throws his head back. Um, brutal. How do you, we've heard that New York is a brutal sports town. Um, they're liking Zach Wilson a little bit, not hating him as much. How do they feel about the Jets' offensive line? Have you heard, heard or seen anything there? Yeah, um, I think they they realize that it's a problem to their credit. Yep. I think even going into the season. I think that was like the big thing when they had Aaron Rodgers is like, okay, everything seems good except the offensive line still has questions. Then sure enough, the offensive line fails to protect Aaron Rodgers. He tears his Achilles. <laughs> Literally and... like the second play of the game. <laughs> yeah. Nothing has really improved since then. In fact, it's probably gotten worse. So yeah, the line, 
I think they they realize is the most glaring issue, not the quarterback, at least for the ones who are actually are in the know. Can we talk about A Rod for a second there? Like, you're yeah. you're a lot more medically knowledgeable than I am, <laughs> but I feel like fifty or whatever, how many, however many days it's been since tearing an Achilles, you should not be able to walk around, throw a football, jog around like that man is doing currently. Um, did he like see some witchcraft voodoo doctor that practices some obscure Eastern medicine that magically healed his Achilles, or what's going on there, Dan? You know, I think there's two potential outcomes to this. Okay. And the first one is what kind of I'm I'm more worried about, which is Aaron Rodgers is sort of covering up his actual progress and trying to appear as if he's way further ahead than he is, in which he'll try and hurry back to play, and then he'll just re-injure it, and it'll be, you know, terrible, and you know it won't go well for anyone. I, that's kind of what I think is happening. He's trying to look as if you know, he's maybe more tough and sort of more miraculously healed than he actually is, and he's putting himself at risk down the line. Mm-hmm. Now, the other option, which I would love to be true, is that he does have some obscure Eastern medicine, you know, special compound therapy that involves maybe psychedelics just for fun. Psychedelics. Oh. And... He's discovered, yeah. He's discovered a way to come back from an Achilles in record time, and if so, more power to him. He's just like that dude from Doctor Strange that went to uh, what? What was it? Thailand, and uh, learned how to channel the energy of the universe mm-hmm. into his broken, paralyzed legs. Yep, that's what he's doing. He's channeling the energy of the universe into his torn Achilles. So. <laughs> Uh, I hope he succeeds. <laughs> uh, let's talk about some other cougs in the pros. Uh, some fancy stuff happened this weekend, including um, another maybe diagnosis needing, needed from Dr. Dan here. Uh, Jaron oh. Hall played noticeably Oof. one drive. That was painful. Yeah. He, he was about to score a touchdown on a scramble and then... Tackled at the last minute, back of his head, hits the turf, and he's out. We're told he's got a concussion. Yes, it was painful to see. I really feel bad for him. He's playing well, we have to say. He looked like he he felt comfortable out there. He's really making a case for himself. And then it all came crashing down, tragically. Yeah, I mean, to your point, that first drive, he was 5 of 6 for 78 yards. Like, that is good. And he was yeah. hitting receivers in stride. He was commanding the offense. That's that's that, great. Yeah, it's really good. And then they end up bringing Joshua Dobbs in, who's literally been on the roster for like a day, is over there teaching <laughs> yeah. the cadence to the offensive line on the on the freaking sideline because they don't know it yet. Yeah, and he comes in and plays okay yeah, enough. around, plays okay enough, and wins the football game, which I think is cool, but also kind of sad because Jaron was playing well. Um, it looked like I mean I don't know you you like I said you know a lot more about medical things than I do, but it looked like the concussion wasn't super severe. He stood up right away, walked off. Like didn't look like he was 
thinking it was Tuesday or something, you know, he <laughs> got, he kind of flopped, yeah. got up, walked it off, walked on his own power without any stumbling or wobbling to the locker room. This is a minor concussion that he can come back from pretty quickly. You, you know, you, you start the fear that maybe Joshua Dobbs stole his job. And yeah. you never want to see a guy lose their job due to injury, but it seems like it's, it's a terrible thing that happened to Jaron because he had such a great opportunity and was doing really well with it. Yeah, you know, I would hope that, you know, once he's good to go, they gave him another chance because he was showing so much promise. But, you know, in the NFL, it's really hard to say. It's kind of a cutthroat league. It is a cutthroat league there in the NFL. But uh, some guys are making it work from BYU. I mean, Taysom was a walking injury in college, but he just set a record. I mean, not necessarily a record, but made history. Going 10, mm-hmm. 10, and 10, 10 passing touchdowns, 10 rushing touchdowns, and 10 receiving touchdowns. First person to do it in a career since like 1970 something or whatever. Pretty Yeah. Sure. I think he's maybe, see, the second ever to do it or something? Third? Something like that. I don't sure. know. It's been a long time since yeah. someone's done it, though. People don't really do that anymore, but Taysom Hill is the anomaly. There were all kinds of anomalies in the NFL last week. That random dude on, was it the Texans? The backup kicker that was a running back? Oh, yeah, the running the back. The running back that kicked the game-winning field goal? <laughs> that was awesome. Oh, man. So much crazy stuff is happening in the NFL, but that's not the only place where crazy things are happening. Dan, you're our guest. Let's do what you do best. It's time for talking Soccer. Yes, you guys had to know it was coming. Um Let's start with BYU. Women's soccer team had the Big 12 championship. Uh, they went up against Texas, who is kind of a streaky team, I might say. Mm. There's There have been times where they've been really good and been really good teams, but they've also had some letdown games. Uh, BYU played them in Round Rock, Texas. It's a very Big 12 place, if there ever was one. Round Rock. And unfortunately, they lost to them three to one. BYU at times has shown some inconsistency, some vulnerability, and Texas took advantage of that. They have two of the, you know, the most prolific goal scorers in the country at Texas, and so you know our defense was pretty good, but just couldn't keep them out of the net completely and our offense couldn't really string it together we went down early which i think really put the rest of the game off for byu but in the end it was fine because they announced the you know the tournament seeding and schedule they still got the one seed that was amazing i think that's the first time since 2012 byu has gotten a one seed in women's soccer and, you know, they just lost to Texas. The only other team they've lost to this year is Utah State, which was one of those classic BYU games where they have, like, you know, 20 shots and they lose one to zero somehow. <laughs> well, as the one seed, their first game, which is this Friday at 6 p.m. at home, is against that very same Utah State team. Oh, yeah. Revenge game? Revenge game. A lot of intrigue there. Actually, the same thing happened last year with UVU. 
Not yes. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> yes, we lost to UVU dumbly in the beginning of the season, then opened up at Southfield against them. Yeah, we beat them like so, three nothing or something. Yeah, we beat them easily. Let's hope we can do the same thing again this year. That's it's kind of disappointing that BYU women's soccer lost to Texas. You know, we wanted to get another Big Twelve championship under our belt after taking home the what was it, the cross country or something, or the one, yeah, one of the running women, sports, women's cross country, I think. Women's cross country, uh, especially because you know BYU had beaten Texas in Austin earlier in the year, was tied one one at the half, if I'm not mistaken, with Texas in this game, and like you said, just let it get away yeah. from them in the second half. But hey, I mean, you can't complain about a one seed. Um, not getting a Big Twelve championship will not hurt in the long run if we end this year with an NCAA championship. So, yeah, I think that's probably fair to say. What do you think, Dad? What are our chances of running the table this year? I think our our part of the bracket actually is not too bad. However, I think with this BYU team, there's always a concern of are they going to show up at their best or not? Mm-hmm. If they do, they could win the whole thing. They showed that against UCLA. Um, they have some amazing players, a lot of them. I mean, eight of the 11 starters are graduating, and another of the starters is actually going on a mission. Oh. So there's going to be a lot of turnover next <laughs> year. It's it's now or never, basically, Holy for this BYU crap. team. Yeah. And, you know, we are really good. I think of those eight people graduating, I think several of them could get drafted into the NWSL if they want to. Or they could at least sign contracts as yeah undrafted. Nice. But yeah, all that is to say that this team is really good. A lot of great players. If they can pull it together, they can win the whole thing. And it might just depend on the matchups, you know, round by round. But it's I'm not honestly I'm not too confident, but I have, you know, it's in the back of my head. I know that there is a chance that they win the whole thing, which probably better than it's ever been you know in my memory for a BYU sports team was it last year or two years ago that we made the championship I don't remember um two years ago I believe two years against Florida State yeah we lost in the championship yeah Yeah. oh yeah yeah it must have been two years ago because I remember uh, I was sitting watching the championship game and I had scheduled a zoom call with my professor to try to figure out some of my spreadsheet coding and I was wow. trying to talk to him and he got very upset with me because I couldn't hear him because people were cheering like crazy. <laughs> oh, shoot. So he was like, why did you set up this meeting if you do, if you knew you weren't going to have time to talk if you couldn't pay your full attention? And I was like, sorry, bro. Hey, uh, got reprimanded. I did. I did. Um, are there any more happenings in the football world? or? Um, I guess the biggest thing, the... U.S. women's national team, uh, we all know that they had a disappointing World Cup. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the blame came to their coach, who is no longer the coach. They've been operating with an interim coach, and it finally leaked who they're planning on hiring, Oh, which is one Emma Hayes. Now, I wouldn't expect most of you guys to know who she is, but she's currently the coach at 
Chelsea women's team, and she's widely regarded as the best women's soccer coach in the world. Oh. So, that's exciting. That That's really um, exciting. Maybe she'll be smart yeah. enough to put Ashley Hatch on the roster. Exactly. Maybe <laughs> she'll do a lot of great things. Um, I really, I really don't know what to say about it. It's, uh, it's the more, ex- it's the I'm more excited about this than I have been for any sporting team, sporting thing in a long time. I would say nice, nice. Um, just because I know she'll get the most out of our players. Uh, we've got some up and coming people, including Olivia Moultrie, who just made her first senior team camp and you know she'll be in good hands with emma hayes so it's very exciting for fans of the women's national team now remind everyone who olivia moultrie is right she was the um she was the 17 year old heartthrob for 17 year olds yes and younger that we that was you know came up in our nwsl updates uh yeah She's had a great year, continued to thrive. Is now 18 and just got called up to the senior national team for the first time. Um, she has Utah ties. She currently lives in Portland, but she was born in Utah or something. And her family's her family are both members of the church and you know pretty high up essential oils executives of some kind. So <laughs> okay. you know, she's really representing the state of Utah well. I thought you were going to say pretty high up in LDS leadership. You know, they're like nope. <laughs> 70 Relief Society president. <laughs> the other nope, LDS they, uh, leadership. Oil. Ship. Yes. Gotta love oil. Essential oils. Yep. Oh, essential oils. That makes yes, it even better. Essential oils. I yeah. thought you were talking about like the oil refineries in North Salt Lake. Uh, no, not that. The other oils. <laughs> essential. doTERRA. Uh, young living. Yeah. That kind of stuff. I think it might be doTERRA i'm not positive but yeah it, one of those yeah. families shout out doTERRA people um you guys do you uh yeah yep uh okay. yeah that's that's proper football today that was talking soccer uh talking football there were there's some beans on the toast it's the first time we've done mm. that in a while and we're happy that we were able to get that done with uh with dan here we got uh, another special guest my wife, who's coming in to say hi. Well, hi. <laughs> bye, Katie. That's okay. Uh, she says hi, Dan. Hello. Dan says hi. <laughs> anyway, good stuff. Let's move on uh, to talk about something else that was happening in the BYU world. Um, we're we're going to acknowledge its existence until BYU starts playing better in football. Um, <laughs> okay. BYU men's basketball season started on Monday and yes. it started off with a bang. Yeah, you might say that they played uh, a team by the name of Houston Christian. Oh, one of those teams that you would have no clue is Division One, but is. Yep. It was the first game of the regular season where there are a lot of teams playing, you know, obscure schools that sound made up. Houston's Christian, uh, Houston Christian is a little more believable than some of the others, but yeah, still n- not much of a, of a basketball program. And I think the scoreboard showed that we won 110 
to 63. 110 points. Yeah. Um, that's kind of crazy. Uh, pop quiz. When was the last time BYU scored 100 points? 100? Yep. Ooh. Uh, did we do it last season? I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that we did it one time last season in like the third game or something. It wasn't the third game, it was a little further in, but yes, we dropped hundred oh. points on Westminster. Ah, Westminster. Speaking of Westminster, this is a total sidetrack, but um my wife and I uh, were taking a walk on a Sunday evening here in Salt Lake, and we heard some mm-hmm. music playing, and we walked towards the music and we we're like, Well, what's going on there? And we found ourselves at senior night at Westminster, their women's soccer team playing versus number 13, Colorado School of Mines. Oh, so uh, here's your reminder that Westminster is a real school, has on-campus mm. housing and on-campus stadiums. Um, but yeah, we dropped wow. 100 points on them last year. That's totally uh, kind of a sidetrack there. BYU attempted 43 threes against Houston Christian. A program Sheesh. record. Like you wow. growing up, like when we were in middle school and when we were in high school, like those BYU teams did nothing but shoot threes, right? Yes. We Dave shot Rose. more than that. We shot more than that. Like that, that that's that's insane, mind-boggling to me. We made 35% of them, which isn't a bad clip. That we yeah. scored 45 points off of threes alone. Insane. Wow. Yeah, that's some high volume three-point shooting. I think. If there are concerns about, you know, the front court for BYU, the interior presence, we might need to kind of over rely on three point shooting, which mm-hmm. maybe we're doing this on purpose in this game, or maybe that's just sort of organically what happened. But yeah, making 35% of those, obviously, I'll take it if we're shooting that many threes and we won easily. So you know, I can't complain about it. Let's let's talk about that point that you brought up, because the five leading scorers of this game uh, all had over ten points and were all guards. Um, mm. Atiki Ali Atiki didn't really do a whole ton. Foose right. only had six points and only played ten minutes. Mm. Um, Ali Khalifa, the Egyptian that we brought in, who was like <laughs> a four-star transfer. Um, oh boy. Didn't look great. Doesn't look very mobile. Kind of looks a little chunky, but he is a really good passer, so we'll give him that. Yeah. Um, do you think our bigs are just bad this year, or do you think that we were just playing a run-and-gun style versus Houston Christian and didn't want to get our big guys hurt? Um, I think Foose is good. Foose is good. Yeah, and I think... There might be nights where he doesn't light up the scoreboard, but he still, you know, plays a good game for us. Yeah. Um, beyond him, I don't think we're super good down low. Especially down tall- low. Yeah, our tallest guys include Atiki, who, you know, he's still tall. That hasn't changed. But he's, I don't know, he's not super skilled, I guess. he's. I feel like he has gotten better, but he's... He's on his third year now, I believe. Yep. And he's he's still, you know, not lighting it up. He still might be a role player for this team. 
I mean, he is lighting it up in one category. Okay. The personal foul category. Uh, yes. He loves going for blocks and he loves body checking guys. So yeah, yeah, he he's got that dog in him. In that way. <laughs> Other um, tall guys. We got what, Ali Khalifa and yeah, Noah Waterman, it's, who's like six eleven, right? It's funny that Waterman is one of our tallest guys, but he absolutely has no interest in no. playing down low at all. He's a total guard, and every time he gets back down. He gets made like a little child, like yeah. He's I then, he's like six eleven. Yeah, he what is. What are you doing at the three point line, dude? It's very strange. Yeah, uh, Ali Khalifa, my two cents on him. He, I don't know. It looked pretty rough out there. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. Maybe. I mean, his passing. You mentioned his passing is. Good. I I turned the game on. He he received a pass from Trace Stewart or something. Had a wide open layup. He missed it. <laughs> now that's just one shot. But after that, I started paying attention to him a little more, and I'm like, "Who is this guy?" I didn't know who he was at the time. I didn't know. <laughs> and then I was like, "Wait, that's Ali Khalifa. That's the four star guy that we brought in that was supposed to save our program." Yeah, from Charlotte, uh, no less. Yeah. Maybe he'll bounce back and prove us wrong. Maybe he will, you know, impact the game in more subtle ways. Um, but yeah, we will probably need more from him if we can not get dead last in the Big Twelve or close to it. Also, yeah, I mean, like watching him, he he does pass really well, and that's what the announcers were saying is that the guards love passing him, passing to him in the post because they know if they make a cut he'll get them the ball, which is yeah. valuable. He made a three, so we have another shooting big man who uh, okay. gets bullied in the post, which yep. is awesome. Um, one thing I've seen about our program, now that you've talked about finishing second to last in the Big 12, um, <laughs> is that for whatever reason, um, almost everyone gives BYU over a 50% chance at making the NCAA tournament with like a projected seed value of like, five or six like yeah is, is there something that the national media knows that the local media and lo local fans don't or is it the other way around do the local fans and media know this team a whole lot better than the national yeah i'm glad you brought this up because you know as basketball season started to get underway i think we were all surprised when these things started happening um I think they a lot of people picked BYU to finish kind of in the middle of the Big Twelve, which would be you know fantastic for me. I mean that's way better than I expected. So like you're saying, do they just not really know as much about our roster and our coaching as we do, or are we just you know unnecessarily pessimistic? I think until I'm proven wrong, I do don't see much in this team now we might be one of those teams that just lives and dies by the three we get hot you know every few games beat teams we shouldn't beat and piece together some sort of resume which would be fine um but yeah i mean we're it's one game in it's probably too early to say otherwise but at the, I, was, I was talking to you and jared the other day 
I don't have much expectations for this team. Um, I I didn't think you guys did either, so we nope. can just sort of sit back, enjoy the season, see what happens, and be entertained by it without you know the fear of disappointment. So I feel like I'm in a good place. Yeah, I feel like I'm in a good place. I'm ready to. I was gonna say I'm ready to be hurt by BYU basketball. I'm not. I'm ready to be proven right, as you were said, as you were saying. Yeah. If they can prove me wrong, great. Even better. But yeah. um, I don't know. Some notable things that happened in this BYU basketball game. Spencer Johnson had a career high twenty points. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of feels weird that that's his career high, but I guess he never was much of a score. Yeah, that's interesting. Trevin Nell had 19 points, was two points away from his um, career high, shot four different threes to try to get that and missed all of them (laughs) and got taken out. Uh, Noah Waterman had 16 points. Jackson Robinson was on fire. And Trey Stewart figured out that you could do more than just pass and dribble. He figured out you can shoot the ball himself scoring 10 points. Wow. Um. I feel like I have to say this, but isn't Spencer Johnson now the oldest player in college basketball? In all of college basketball, yes. That's amazing. I feel like Trevor Nell is right up there as well. Not sure exactly his age, but I feel like he's been here for you know several years. Trevor Nell's got to be up there. I think it's hilarious. like Spencer Johnson has been. Spencer Johnson is the same age as some people that have. Now six year careers in the NBA. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, is... well, when was he born? We gotta figure this out. I think he was born in ninety seven. I want to say. Oh, was it? I think it was Brandon Ingram Spencer. in the NBA. Brandon Ingram was drafted in twenty sixteen. That's a seven year career, and he, you know, he's been an All Star a few times. He's the same age as Spencer Johnson. Yeah, the birthday is only a few days off, which is crazy to me. Wow. But uh, one more nugget from this team. Um, Dan, you know how I said I was tempering my expectations and that I was ready to be proven right? You're right. I'm flipping entirely. We're going to win the freaking national championship. Oh, shoot. And do you know why? Why? What causes this? There was one player on the 2020 basketball team that could have won the national championship had COVID not come. Um, twenty, What a year. That held our team together like some gorilla glue wrapped in gorilla tape, wrapped in epoxy, Oof. wrapped in cement, wrapped in freaking plasma. I don't know. Um, <laughs> who was that man? The stash. Zach Selyus. Oh, baby. We have, this year, another Zach Selyus. Now, his name is not Zach Selyus. His name is even better. It's Townsend Triple. Mm. Townsend Triple. Literally the best basketball name ever. He has the bushiest, caterpillarist mustache I've ever seen in my entire life. He shoots threes and makes them, shoots another three after and airballs them, kind of has that dad bod thing going, is always hustling, always getting offensive rebounds he has no business give it, getting, is diving on the floor. He is literally a reincarnation of Zach Selyus. And his, his, that's his real name. I didn't realize that was his real name. I thought Townsend it was a nickname. Triple is Townsend his real name. Triple. His legal name, 
His name, upon which he will be known by the records of the church, <laughs> is Townsend Triple. Wow, what a guy. So, yeah, with that in mind, the only thing that could make this better is if we had a Colby Lee. Which, gosh dang it, Ali Khalifa might be Colby Lee. Yeah, I could see that happening. We're back. We are We're back so to 2020. Back. Oh, Those my were the glory God. days. Oh man, um, sorry, I I got a little pumped there. Um, no, fair but, enough. Uh, yeah, uh, let's let's move on from that before I punch a hole through my computer in excitement. <laughs> uh, let's punch a hole in our computers out of anger, and let's review the college football playoff standings that came out today. Yes, this is breaking news. <laughs> this is a a royal strong and true exclusive. You're hearing it from us. Uh-huh. For the first time, mm-hmm. uh, we we are honored to present this to you. But um, should I just give you the first four? Let's do it. And then we can go from there. Uh, yeah. Number one, Ohio State. <sighs> Two, Georgia. Three, mm. Michigan. Four, Florida State. Oh. Um, that's the same as last week, right? Um, I know one through three at the very least is the same. I'm not sure about number four. I think yeah. so. I think Florida State also stayed the same. And yeah. Washington at five stayed there as well. Yeah. Um, we don't have to go through the whole thing, but do you, how do you feel about the top four at least? I like the fact that Georgia isn't number one. Um, just because they haven't played anybody, except they did just beat a good Mizzou team. But um, the SEC is not as good as it has been in years past, so I feel like a lot of those teams that are winning football games are kind of inflated rankings-wise. They're rated better than they actually are. Yeah. Um, Ohio State, I thought it was hilarious, the reasoning the committee chair gave that they're at number one. said, <laughs> you know, the real tough win last week versus a top-20 defense in Rutgers. I know. Rutgers! Congratulations, Ohio State. You're number one in the country because you beat Rutgers. Yeah, I think Michigan, one of their like best resume building wins is also Rutgers. <laughs> so <laughs> what a year we're having in college football. What do you how do you feel about the top four top four or five? Um I think the four will be the biggest question mark, you know, mm. end of the season. Like, we're going to have either Ohio State or Michigan at one. And then two will probably be Georgia or some other SEC team. Mm-hmm. Um, then Ohio State or Michigan, whoever doesn't get one will probably get three or four. And then... You know, there's just one more team in the playoff. It could be from the ACC in Florida State. It could be from the Pac-12 in Washington or Oregon. It could be from the Big 12 in Texas. Um, or we could get another SEC team. I've got my eyes on Alabama. I yep. know they started off kind of slow, and people were, you know, excited to write off Nick Saban in Alabama, dance on his grave, say the dynasty's over. But they're still right in the thick of this, and they control their destiny, I'd say. If they win out, they're in the playoff once again. Let, let me give you a scenario. Okay. All right. 
a scenario in which there is only one more undefeated team left in this group. Okay. So let's say Ohio State beats Michigan. Alabama beats Georgia in the mm. national champion. Sorry, in the national in the SEC the championship SEC. game. Florida State loses to whoever the frick they're going to play in the ACC championship. Yeah. Washington loses to Oregon in the Pac-12 championship. Mm. Texas wins out. Texas wins out. At that point, who is the top four? I mean, obviously Ohio State's number one in that scenario. Yeah. But who's two, three, and four? I think this is my dream scenario, to be honest. It sounds very exciting. I love the chaos. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like if Michigan beat Penn State and then lost to Ohio State, what would happen with the Big Ten title game? Would that be Ohio State-Michigan again? Or... Yes, because Ohio State only has one loss, and they have the head-to-head versus Penn State. Okay. I think. So Ohio State and Michigan could play twice. Yes. So so let's say, I guess, in that scenario, Michigan loses to Penn State, but then beats Ohio State. Okay. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) So that would be amazing. And then in the Big Ten title game, you'd see Ohio State and Michigan. In the SEC, you'd probably see Alabama, Georgia. Yeah. Um, Pac-12, you'd see Washington and Oregon in the ACC. I feel like Florida State, by being in the ACC, they're kind of at a disadvantage. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Just because their strength of schedule will not be good at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, Just know that North Carolina sucks. Yeah, true. Man, that would be amazing. I feel like Ohio State, I'm not sure how their Notre Dame win will age. Yeah, but, but yeah, Notre Dame's struggling. If they lose to Michigan and then beat them in the Big Ten title game, I feel like they'll be the one seed. How Does the Big Ten title game have divisions this year, or is it just the top two teams? I'm not sure. It's probably something I, we should know. I think it still might be divisions. So I think they'll, there's one of them is going to have to play Iowa or some crap in the... Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess... It's yeah, it's the divisions, the Big Ten West and East. Okay. So at that point, the winner of Ohio State, Michigan, goes to the playoff. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's what that boils down to. The okay. loser could still go to the playoff, maybe not. Um yeah, I feel like either the SEC or the Big Ten will have two teams in the playoff but not both. All right. So we could see Ohio State and Michigan, or we could see Georgia and Alabama both in the playoff. I think Georgia and Bama is the most likely scenario. Yeah. 
So at that point, it's probably Georgia, Bama, Ohio State, or Michigan. And if Oregon beats Washington in the Pac-12 championship game, probably Oregon. Yeah. Could this be Pac-12's year? To get a playoff It's last year. That would be poetic. And that, that would be very poetic. Hilarious and also kind of sad. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, speaking of things that are dying, um, let's talk about the Tipsy 10 and my record specifically. Oh, boy. Um, uh, so, Tipsy 10, we didn't have an episode last week, but we did post it on Instagram. I forgot to vote. Jared did vote. He got seven and three. Fans went six and four. I am now catastrophically behind everyone else. Oh, no. Dan, you have the chance to do the most hilarious thing <laughs> in Royal Strong and True history and become the first guest picker to go 10 and 0. Oh, man. Because Dan will be joining us for the Tipsy 10. Jared's not here, but he did vote. We have not posted the fan vote yet, so we don't have the fan vote live, but we will include it later on and we will let the fans know how they did. Um, do not worry. Should we jump into the Tipsy 10, Dan? Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's start out Friday, 8.45 p.m. on Fox Sports 1, where all the sickos, us included, will be tuning in to watch Wyoming play Unlove, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Dan, who do you got in this one? I went in autopilot mode. I'm always asking Jared, who do you got in this one? Dan, (laughs) who do you got Um, in this one? I've got the Mountain West next dynasty. It's Unlove. The University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Their football team is back. Who's their coach? I, I should know his name, but uh, I don't remember. Someone good. Someone who's doing a good job. I know that. It is uh, Marcus Arroyo. Okay. I don't know why I think he's doing a good job, but for some reason I had that idea in my head. Great job. Yeah. You and healthy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jared also went with Unlove in this one. Um, I, I don't know. In, in this one, I'm I'm torn because Pee Pee Poo Poo is very funny. But Unlove is. is also very funny. The fact that they're in Las Vegas but can't get any support. I think I'm going to go with Unlove in this one. Yeah, I'm cheering for them. The Rebels. Uh, next up, we head to Saturday morning. 10 a.m. Mountain on Fox Sports 1. Um, I believe this is one of those 11 a.m. local kickoffs, mm-hmm. which nobody likes. It's Texas Tech at Kansas, a Big 12 barn burner. <laughs> Who do you got in this one, Justin? I think Kansas is going to dog walk Texas Tech. Um, but who knows? Texas Tech just beat TCU. We beat Texas Tech, who beat TCU who dog-walked BYU, and it's kind of a circle there. Um, Eternal round. But I do think Kansas will be playing well. Uh, Kansas is a dang good football team. They aren't winning mm-hmm. by flukes. They are, they're winning football games. So who do you got? Yeah, um, I've got Kansas as well. One of the things I wanted to mention about the rankings is that the new Big 12 is starting to get some respect in those mm-hmm. rankings. Mm-hmm. We've got Kansas, who is up to six. Team Oklahoma State are one ahead of them at 15. 
Oh. And I think the best thing about that is that Utah can no longer say that when they join the Big 12, they'll be the best team because, no, <laughs> <laughs> there's currently two teams ahead of them. Um, Arizona is not far behind them. Kansas State is right there at 25. I think it's great that the Big 12, though they got off to somewhat of a rough start this year, besides Texas and Oklahoma, they're starting to show that top to bottom, they're full of a lot of good football teams. Hopefully we can all make each other better and not cannibalize ourselves too much. Like the Pack X. Um, yes. Speaking of the college football rankings, really quick, I forgot to say this before. Um, rank JMU, you cowards. Exactly. Uh, Jared in this one went with, and I quote, Ken's ass. So um, okay. big Barbie fan there. Interesting uh, pronunciation. Yeah, you know, yeah. maybe maybe he's just, maybe you got to say it fast. Ken's ass. Yeah, so. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe that's the trick. Next yeah, up, we had to. Uh... <laughs> we got the SEC on CBS, 1.30 p.m., Tennessee traveling to get drunk with Drinkowitz playing against Missouri. Dan, who do you got? The Volunteers Ooh. or the Tigers? This is quite an intriguing one for me. Missouri obviously lost to Georgia last week. But, you know, they hung with them for a while. I thought it was a good showing. Yeah. T- Tennessee, I don't know what to think. They're, they're not as good as I thought they were going to be. But, you know, maybe the last few weeks they're showing that they're almost as good as I thought they were going to be. So I think this is going to be a great game, honestly. If I had to pick one, which I do. I'm going with Mizzou. Mizzou, huh? Yep. Jared agrees with you, I think. Um, Miss Sourie. Um, I'm I'm guessing that's Missouri in a very weird Jared pronunciation. I'm going to have to differ from you guys, though, for the very first time in these picks. I think Tennessee is going to march in to – Wherever in Missouri they are, I probably should have figured that out before I looked that up. Uh, uh, stall for me, Dan. Up. Stall for me. You know, Governor Boggs was in Missouri. <laughs> Fun fact, listeners. Uh, Columbia. How could I forget? Ah. Um, yeah, they're gonna. Tennessee's gonna march into Columbia and volunteer their way straight down the tigers' throats. Okay. And that's that. That's that. Um, next up, we have we go back to the Big 12. If you can call it that, it's uh, Tampa, Florida. Oh. Where UCF calls home. What's what's the latest with their stadium? I believe they are Orlando. Oh, that's right. right. They're in Orlando. Tampa is, is Southern Florida. USF is in Tampa. One letter I off. My, I don't know my Florida geography. Orlando, even better. Um, uh, famous Big 12 city. Um, they're hosting Oklahoma State at 1.30 p.m. What do you What do you think about this one, Justin? First off, um, Oklahoma State is playing a lot better. Uh, UCF said they were going to come in and run the Big 12 right away. They don't even have a winning record. Um, so yeah. Frick UCF, honestly, I don't know why, but um, 
I, I used to dislike UCF a lot more until I met one of their offensive linemen that played on the quote quote national championship <clears throat> team. And he's really cool. Hilarious. Um, I have to root for him, I think. Um, but Oklahoma State is going to win. But out of respect for my friend, I will be choosing uh, UCF. Okay, the Space Rangers. Um, yeah, I have to pick Oklahoma State here. I That's think a smart pick for for the good of the conference. They need to keep winning. Keep uh, the new Big Twelve looking better and better in the eyes of the general public. And plus, I do really think they will win pretty easily. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, they will. I'm gonna. I'm taking an L on this one, but uh, <laughs> okay. Not as much of an Pretty L cool. as the people that have to watch this next upcoming game that we're talking about. Oh, um, okay. Rutgers travels to Iowa at 1.30 p.m. on the Big Ten Network in a game with a historically low point total. If I remember correctly, it's at 28 and a half. Um, Absolutely. Incredible. Dan, who do you have in this one? This one for me is a no no-brainer. Personally, I think, I mean, we've seen Ohio State, Michigan. They're both really good football teams. Do you know why? Because they both beaten Rutgers. <laughs> yep. Not every, not every team can beat Rutgers. Everyone knows this. You know, they're, you know, we've mentioned them on two different occasions already this episode. One for being, having played in the first ever college football game. And also for, you know, then hilariously being the jewel in Ohio State and Michigan's crown this year. Yeah, I I hope they continue to prove the doubters wrong. Um, I hope that they can get back into the top 25. And that, that starts with a win against Iowa, who no longer has an offensive coordinator. I remember they do have him, but. They won't have him next year. I don't remember the particulars. They won't have him next year, but they still have him. Okay, great. Which is hilarious that they're like, hey, <laughs> uh, you can keep coaching the rest of the year, but after that, you're fired. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, um, he did not reach his target. No, not even close. But um, I don't think he needs to reach his target versus Butkers because the Ooh. staunch Iowa defense is going to hold Butkers to zero touchdowns and Iowa will not score a touchdown either, but will have mm. enough field goals and safeties to come away with this victory. My only question to you is Dan, if Iowa beats Butkers, does that mean they belong in college football playoff contention? Just like Michigan and Ohio state. Mm, that's a good point. You bring up the answer think... is an unequivocal. And I, I think yes. we can say this on three, right? Okay. One, I already said it. But... Two, three, Yes. No. No. Dang. <laughs> um, maybe I should amend. If they win while still hitting the under once again, then I think we've got a conversation. That's a national championship team right there. Yeah. Um, Jared, big to Butkers. Butkers. Yep. With three Bs. Yeah. What a game this is going to be. It's it's going to be a barn burner. 
And by that, I don't mean offense. I mean that you are literally going to want to set your barn on fire because watching it burn down will be more entertaining than this game. Well said. All right, let's move on to the next game. We're going out west to Big Ten country, future Big Ten, Seattle, Washington, where the Utah Utes are playing the Washington Huskies on Fox at 1.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Oh. I think. I don't remember which is which. Don't know. Don't know. But, yeah, Utah's playing Washington, two ranked teams in the Pac-12's dying year. Uh, I'll start with Jared. He's got Washington. This might be a principal pick. What do you think, Justin? Break Utah. Um Hopefully my wife didn't hear me say that because she oh, goes shoot. to Utah. But um, yeah, frick Utah. <laughs> um, I hate Utah. I hate everything about them. I hate their fans. I hate the program. I uh, they spilled beer on my family. Um, what what else can Max Hall say? Um, yeah, Max, go Washington. I could not agree more. Washington needs to win this one for themselves, for BYU fans, and for the good of the country as a whole. For the good of the Big Ten. Yes, for the Big Ten. Saturday at 5 p.m. on ESPN, we have Ole Miss, the Rebels, traveling to Athens to take on the Bulldogs of Georgia, number two in the College Football Playoff rankings. Jared is going with Ugga and the, on this mm. one. Dan, who do you got? Ugga. Ole Miss at Georgia. Oh, man. I really want Ole Miss to win this one. I think that would be very entertaining. Mm-hmm. That would spark headlines from sea to shining sea of this great nation. But Ole Miss almost lost to Texas A&M, mm. who is not good. Ole Miss, they, they don't have the consistency, I think, to beat a team like Georgia. So they may have some moments. But unfortunately, I think they will fall short, and Georgia will win this one. I got to agree with you completely, Dan. Um, This is going to be ugly uh, because Georgia is going to impose its will on Ole Miss, uh, Jackson Dart, Utah product, um, Corner Canyon, I think. Don't remember. Corner Canyon, yep. Uh, I don't don't think he's going to have a great game. Maybe he will, but um, Georgia is just going to overpower the Rebels. uh, Lane Kiffin, he he just – He's good, not great. Yep. So, yeah, give me Ugga on this one. Ugga, all righty. Let's go back west for a night game on Fox, 8.30 p.m. It's USC at Oregon, two of the premier brands in the Pac-X, two future Big Ten members. Um, Jared has... Quote, evil, cocky, frat boy as his pick in this one. Yep. Does he talk about Caleb Williams? Who's he, talk, who's he talking about? That's referring to Dan Lanning. Oh, he's called coaches. <laughs> Dan Lanning, okay. He's got so all he's, he's picking the Ducks. Um, Yeah, this will be an interesting one. USC, if they had a defense, they might be able to stick with Oregon. But... They have a negative defense. I think Oregon win this one in the landslide. 
Yeah, no, I got to agree with you on that one. I think um, Caleb Williams is going to be crying in the arms of his mother once again. Mm. Um, shout out to Caleb Williams, who posted lol on Max Duggan crying. Uh, shout out <laughs> to Max Duggan for not lolling him back, which would have been hilarious. But no, yeah. Yeah, Oregon is going to obliterate USC. Yeah. Saturday, right. 10 a.m. on Fox. Um, we have Big Noon, who is sucking again, sucking the life out of college football. Frick you, Big Noon Saturday. This game should be at night. It should be a Penn State whiteout at night. But instead, we get to watch Michigan travel to Happy Valley, play Penn State at 10 a.m. Damn. In this battle of the foes, Michigan ranked number three and Penn State ranked number seven, if I'm not mistaken. Who do you got? Number 10. Number 10. My bad. Uh, yeah. Who do you got? Number three or number 10? Oh, man. I'm looking forward to this one. Michigan hasn't played anybody. So this could be their time to get exposed. Penn State. They have played somebody, so maybe they'll be more ready for this one. There's a lot going on around the Michigan program as far as uh, that Connor Stallions character and all sorts, of, all sorts of sign-stealing allegations being hurled back and forth in the Big Ten. All that aside, even if that weren't happening, I would still pick Penn State. Oh, just because for some reason I see it happening. I see them, you know, finally getting up for the big game. Um, maybe this is just because I think we've been overrating Michigan the whole year. But I do think Penn State can beat this team, especially at home in the wideout. Yeah, I wish it was a night game because then the wideout would be even more powerful. Yeah. But um, I honestly do think, though, that Michigan is going to win this football game. I think Penn State is kind of a smoke and mirrors kind of team. They're good, mm. not great. They just have the fortune of um, beating up on some teams that weren't very good. Their schedule gets a lot harder here at the end. They played Ohio State, played okay, but then got fell, fell apart there in the second half. Um, I just think Michigan mm-hmm. is going to out-talent Penn State in this game. Yeah, so compare this game to Ole Miss, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's kind of a similar storyline, similar vibes, similar matchup? I think it was similar vibes to Georgia, Mizzou. Ah, Georgia, Mizzou. Because if I'm not mistaken, Georgia was playing at Mizzou. Yes. Um, kind of a similar situation here. Mizzou, good, but maybe kind of a flash in the pan, smoke and mirrors. I think that's probably a closer comparison. That's good stuff. Good analysis. Thank you. Thank you, sir. All righty. The last game on the docket. You guys know which team we're going to be picking on next. It's Iowa State at BYU, a night game. BYU is going blackout. 8-15 kickoff under the stars. Um, Iowa State is favored by about a touchdown in this one. Ten and a half, uh, I think it is now, right? Oh, has it gone up that much? Or maybe that was maybe I'm still thinking the Sheesh. The uh West Virginia game. Um I haven't looked recently. I'm looking right now and it is currently 
Iowa State minus six and a half. You're you're right. It is a touchdown. six and a half. All right. Um, Jared, let's start with him. Yeah, yeah. He picked Penn State. I don't know if we mentioned that. Oh, yep. That's another principal pick for him. Absolutely. Um, but this one is definitely not a principal pick. He has no reason to you know go one way or another here. Facts and logic. Um, objectively, he is picking BYU with a score of 28 to 27. Which, you know, maybe we should add. Of course, he's not, you know, factoring this in, but that would make them bowl eligible oh. for, before they play Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Nice. I mean, yeah. BYU does have some things going for him. Night game, most notably, 8.15 p.m., no daylight at all. Yep, the um, vampires are out at that blackout. time. Black uniforms. Uh, it's going to be forty degrees at kickoff. <laughs> forty degrees and um, cloudy. So cloudy. Okay. BYU's got some things going for them. I think this all lines up for a BYU win. I think BYU is going to win this game. Um, twenty-four to seventeen. Uh, I'm also picking BYU at home in Vampire Hours. Um, yeah, like I was saying, this is their last chance, I feel like, to get a bowl game. Maybe you've talked about that. But do we know who's going to play quarterback yet? No. Uh, hasn't been announced, probably won't be announced. Though Kalani has said that it is always a competition, no matter if Keaton mm. is healthy or not. But if Keaton's healthy, he'll play. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it matters that much, to be honest, with the O-line. We've got kind of similar to the Jets, I've seen people say. Um, but for the final score, I, I've got BYU winning. Let me just think through the, the final score line. I think it'll be a low-scoring affair. Oh. 17 to 10. 17 to 10. All right. Yeah. A Big 12 classic 17 to 10 game. (laughs) That's just how they do it in the Big 12. No fireworks. (laughs) It's all defensive. Defensive battle. Staunch. Staunch defense. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Well, that concludes our Tipsy 10. And with that, we will conclude our episode. Dan, it's been a pleasure having you. It's your first time in a long time on the Royal Strong and True podcast. Do you have any parting thoughts for all the Royal fans out there? Uh, No, it's a pleasure to be back. Um, Hopefully, I can be back again before the season ends if you guys end my suspension. Um, just kidding. there's no suspension. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun talking with you again, Justin. And I hope the Cougs can get the win this weekend. Go Cougs! Thank you, everybody, for joining us for this episode of the Royal Strong and True podcast. Sorry, it was just me today, but uh, we got lots more fun comment, uh, lots more uh, fun content coming here in the future, and we're grateful that we were able to have Dan on as a guest once again. We hope to have Dan on. In the near future, we always love talking to our number one soccer analyst. Make sure that you are following us on uh, Twitter, 
Instagram, social media at loyal to Royal pod. Make sure you're checking out our website, royalstrongandtrue.com, where Jared is publishing weekly the weekend watch guides that will tell you what to watch, when to watch it, and where to watch it when it comes to college football. We love you guys. If you liked the episode, leave a review, share it with your friends. We will see you next time. Oh, 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 oh.